From MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. We are back. It is Middle Sunday, or technically, if you're listening, Middle Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Really, the second to... I don't know how to do this. It's <laughs> mid, We're recording on Middle Sunday. But right. they don't play on Middle Sometimes. Right, if the, it's raining. You know what the first year they did ever in yep. the history? Yep. I just heard that, but I've already forgotten. Oh, my God. Brain cells are <laughs> it not was Hinman. Didn't Hinman play? I don't know. Don't ask me <laughs> details. 1991, so I don't Ooh. think it was yeah. Hinman. Maybe. Hinman was around then, maybe. I, I think so. Yeah. Anywho. We have all the computing power of <laughs> 10, 10 lunar landers in 1969, and we can't find out when Henman well, I just played. remember when Henman was like the British player, even though he never won anything. Henman Hill. And now they actually have a winning player. And nobody likes him. Right. And he's from Scotland. He doesn't count. I used to like him. Who, Murray? Mm-hmm. I like Henman, but I'm a certain volley guy, so that's what I I like yeah, Henman, too. Me, too. He just could never win. Man. Remember how he made it to the semis in the French one well, time? He lost, oh, yes, I do remember that. Serving volley. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember he lost that 15-day match to Ivanisevic, and that was like his one chance. Oh, my God. Speaking of 15-day match, have, have you seen that movie, Seven Days in <laughs> Yes. Hell? Oh, my God. Uh, actually, Rebecca and, I, saw and it together. I watched it together at my house. Oh, my God. <laughs> with his fiance. I said my... it was the shortest movie I've ever seen, and yet it was too long. <laughs> it was way too long. <laughs> <laughs> it oh had, it my God. had moments. It did it have had moments. moments. It, you're right. It was a Saturday Night Live skit at best. Right. Yes. And that's how long it should have been. Yes. Yeah. But content-wise, if it would have been that short, it would have been fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would have rivaled the Chris Farley Chippendales skit <laughs> yeah. if it was shorter and not a movie. But, so. you know, we talk about tennis movies. We don't have many options. So in There that is regard, one coming out soon. Two. two. Borg. Borg. And then Billie Jean. the Battle Billie of the Jean. Sexes. Battle of the Sexes. Speaking of sexes, we have we are? both <laughs> sexes here. Yes. Fine, uh, we got Corey's in the house. That was a terrible transition. That was terrible. Good thing I don't do this for a living. I represent both sexes. I'm here. <laughs> 2017. Don't you are judge. very pretty, Corey. Oh, thank you. Don't judge. Don't judge from the voice. Yeah. Are you doing all right? Doing great. Fantastic. Love this time of year. Grass court season. Oh, I thought you meant podcast season. <laughs> that's every day. I know. Or every right. week. Every All year round. Rebecca, how are you? Fantastic. Now listen, you are back. I'm back. But you've been back for a week. Yes. But last week we had Wimbledon and sexism to talk about, mm-hmm. and this week <laughs> we couldn't which really often tied in together, somehow. right? But I don't care what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't care if what y'all don't know is I'm getting a wild card into the second week of Wimbledon. But I don't care. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Why? Why would I? Because I'm I was 1180 in the world in doubles. But listen, <laughs> but I don't care about that. The most important thing is tennis in Hawaii. Was there tennis in Hawaii? Yes, there was. Were you involved in that tennis in Hawaii? No. Unbelievable. So now you so you went on vacation to Hawaii. How long were you there? Uh, about seven, eight days. Ooh-wee. That's uh, about a nine-hour flight, eight-hour flight? No. Well, if you fly from Dallas, yes. But we flew from to L.A. first and Ooh, then fancy. flew to Hawaii. <laughs> you and Clooney? Mm-hmm. Nice. I would go to so Hawaii you, with Clooney in a minute, <laughs> by the way. Were you at a club with courts or you just saw courts on your trip? Uh. We saw courts on the trip, but I have a friend who just moved out to uh, Maui and is teaching at the Maui Country Club. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah. 
What a tough life. Yeah. From freaking Colleyville to Maui. I mean, <laughs> come on. I get no sympathy as a tennis pro. I could be on the court 15 hours a day and everybody would be like, well, you teach tennis. Big deal. You're not getting any sympathy right, from me. Right. I would think in Maui, no one's your giving you sympathy back, for anything. Your back's killing you. Your feet are killing right. you. Your shoulder's all busted up. It's <laughs> 4,000 degrees. And they're like, you teach tennis. Shut up. Exactly. They don't know how tough it is. They don't. It's hard. The struggle is real. It, it is not real. It's nothing. <laughs> so, so tell me, so what tennis did you part or what tennis was in Hawaii besides strangers playing that you didn't know about? Um, I do know that they, uh, the fed cup, they, they had played there in Hawaii this past season. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I yeah. vaguely and, remember that. And it's, it's the second time they've done it. And I'd say in the last two years, cause they were out there. I remember watching it last year as well, but, um, it well, was that, very windy. So hmm. I used to, I ran a, uh, a couple of pro USTA pro circuit, which is a lower level, uh, challenger circuit, basically for lack of a better term. Um, and there's a set number of them within the U S and we did, I thought we did a pretty good job here in beautiful burned, you know, hot burning Texas, but we did it in November. So it wasn't too bad, but and this is for players that were like, you know, 60, I think 62 was the highest ranked player, which is a little high right. for that level. It was Todd Martin. How about there you that? Go. Uh, wow. He was on his tail end of his career, but he um, uh, he was uh, trying to get his ranking up for seedings for uh, the upcoming uh, Australian. Because again, November, you know, and um, I thought we did a pretty good job, took care of the players, good tournament, all that kind of stuff but could not compete with their favorite, their favorite tournament in that challenger circuit, which was in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about guys that are losing. Uh, Todd Martin's not uh, <laughs> at that time. He wasn't obviously. Um, now there's a hall of famer that didn't win a grand slam. Yeah. He was in that tough era though, mm-hmm. where there was so many Americans that were good. There we go. <laughs> He's <laughs> learning folks. He could be Corey's left out in the cold. Wow. Smartening up. Americans play. Well, listen, well, well, I just thought about that. I know we're going off topic here, but uh, do we ever have a topic? But if I doubt Roddick's Hall of Fame credentials, but I feel good about Todd Martin's, maybe I'm the asshole. I was going to say that just shows your uh, favoritism toward that era. Uh, what was his highest ranking, you think? Oh, uh, he was top seven. I was going to say, I thought he was top 10. He was definitely inside of the top seven. I don't know what his highest was, but he was. he. Well, here's here's the word here's the word that I associate with him that I probably should associate with Roddick, and that's consistency. Right. Todd Martin was always right in there forever, which is under undervalued in terms of the tour because that's hard to do just with physically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By the way, watch that mic. So uh, we thought we thought we thought we lost you, Uh, but here's another word. That also, uh, or another, he was a stalwart for Davis Cup. So was mm-hmm. Roddick. Mm-hmm. You know, and he had a lot more success. I mean, he had success. It, he won Davis Cup, I believe. He was on that team. I'm just winging <laughs> that. But I'm sure he was. I mean, damn it. He was a top American. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe, I mean, do you feel like Roddick's a Hall of Famer? Legitimate? Yes. I mean, not, okay, he is because he's in the Hall of Fame because <laughs> they elected him. Should he be? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I, get, I, I yeah. guess I am the asshole. What I about was, Todd Martin? Do you remember Todd Martin? I know Todd you, Martin. You're a youngster, so I didn't know. I was debating I'm that. I'm older than Corey. I was debating <laughs> that Ferrer should be in the Hall of Fame. 
David. Yeah, because I he's agree. been in the top ten so no, long. He's amazing. A couple Grand meant, Slam finals. I thought yeah. you meant Wayne Ferreira. <laughs> oh my a guy God. with a paler complexion than you. It's hard to do. Um, so maybe I'm changing my stance. Oh. On Andrew Roddick. <laughs> well, I think part of it is how many Hall of Famers should there be? Is there one a year, two a year, mm. you know, ten a year? I think that changes it too. Well, if you're putting like one man and one woman every year, then it gets tougher. Yeah. Well, I think, see, that's the tricky, that, that's why I think the baseball Hall of Fame is so more revered than others because it's so much more difficult because they, uh, they do limit, whereas other sports don't. I don't right. know about other sports, bowling, I don't know what the hell bowling <laughs> Hall of Fame does. Um, you know, I think my, you know, my Uncle Joe is, uh, I don't know. Well, tennis, um, they just sort of seem to pick people every year and there's no kind of set requirements. Now, keep, you know, right, but there are also... 1,500 ranked players. Now, right. obviously, number 1,500 isn't going to get in, but, I mean, there's a ton of players, and uh, and now we're talking about you're not going to be a multiple Grand Slam champion being behind the big four. Right. So... Yes, yeah, so you can't just put in those four for 15 years. You've got to... There's got to be some other guys that get in. Right, so... All right, I'm gonna have to think about this. That that we went off on topic because because <laughs> Todd Martin played you know in 2001 in the tournament I ran, uh, and it got me thinking about dear Andrew. What's his middle name? Anybody know? Andy Roddick. Or is Andy? I can't remember. I don't know. Um, but isn't Todd running a tournament now? I mean, he's a. I don't have any idea. <laughs> I, no, I, no clue. Quite a fan. He doesn't keep up with him anymore. Well, he doesn't play. I know. I'm a fan of his, you know, uh, <laughs> pottery making. Uh, he was a I tennis fan. I, I think I saw an interview with him recently. I don't yeah. doubt it. I don't doubt it. You probably keep up with way more of that than <laughs> anybody in this room. Probably. Um. So anyway, so yeah, Roddick. So I'm going to rethink this. I'm going to think on it. Not that he cares. Not that anybody's yeah. waiting on the edge of the seat to really stamp of approval. <laughs> okay, he's really the in coach the hall. approved me. I'm, he's I'm really now. in the Hall of Fame now because uh, <laughs> coach is on board. Um, but anyway, all right, so what, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> we don't know. Your challenger, Hawaii. Aha, uh-huh, the best one was Hawaii, obviously, because you got yeah. guys that are losing money on a regular basis. They're you know spending money to lose money to get those points and move on up the chain. And guess what? Part of that is they get to go to Hawaii for a little mm-hmm. while, and a lot of times they get free housing. You know, A lot of tournaments work out that to where they can stay, you know, that was the eyebrow. Did you see the eyebrow race? <laughs> yeah, because Juan Del Potro used to be in challengers. Probably not in the USTA Pro Circuit. But probably not. But he, they, he could have played in that. They do do the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. and you know. Oh, the football Pro Bowl? Mm-hmm. Well, they were doing it in Florida. Are they True. moving it back? True. Well, I think they it should. They did it forever they yeah, should. in Hawaii. They should do it in Hawaii. Um, I will that, go to any event in Hawaii. That's literally <laughs> the only reason I'd watch the Pro Bowl is because it's in Hawaii. Right. It's an awful, and that's awful why game. all the players yeah. go because right. it's in Hawaii. Exactly. Yep. So. Anyway, so so that's their best. That's their favorite challenger. Now, let me tell you something interesting about running that level of tournament or lower. So they have a qualifying, just like you know we talked about Wimbledon's qualifying. Um, they have a qualifying, and then they also a lot of tournaments do what's called a wild card tournament, mm-hmm. where it's not really officially related to the tournament, but you can run a wild card tournament right. where the winner doesn't get prize money, they don't get points, but they that, get a wild card. card. And they get either, extra money. Either, mm-hmm. either into the qualifying or into the main. I mean, it just right. depends. You can do either uh, or both. Um, so in that pre-qualifying, as we called it, or the qualifying, this is back then. 
Guess what we didn't have? Guess what the players had to do? Call their own lines. What? First guess. You yeah. son of a bitch. That's, that was actually going to be my guess, too. <laughs> I was hoping y'all were going to say both say inappropriate <laughs> things and we could laugh. Um, I was going to say wear underwear or... Hey, it could be a superstition. You never yeah. know how things go. You know. Yeah, they call their own lines. Yeah. Um, now, once you get to the main draw, they're going to have chairs, the whole thing. Right. But, um, But... You think about that, you know, you, you Fetter has literally nothing of importance on the line when he's playing in a Wimbledon final. And you say, what? You're an idiot. No, no, no. I mean, feeding his children. I mean, the safety and well-being of his family, all that done. Right. He's got mansions wherever he wants. He flies around in a private jet. Uh, he's got nannies for his 19 set of twins. Or what, how, how many kids does he have now? Four. Good Lord. Um, yeah. So... Right, but yeah, you're saying yeah, but yeah, you got two nannies per kid. I think your job's pretty good there, <laughs> right. Mirka. Um, so there's not a lot on the line, and he doesn't call a single ball. You know, like he's got nothing, you know, he doesn't even get his own towel. He just points. He, give me the towel. At the level we're talking about, you're talking about a qualifying tournament for a 50K challenger, which again, typically the range is, you know, 100 to 250-ish. Not making any money at that level. You're not making any money. The officials actually that work in those chairs, <laughs> if they're if they're working officials and traveling, they're making more money than a guy that's 125 in the world. Yeah, which is insane. Right, insane. I never thought about that, but you're that's totally right. Who's the Who's the 125th best player in the NFL? <laughs> He's still on a. Starting. It doesn't matter. They're making oh, yeah. tens of millions of dollars. Yep. There's like 1,500 players yeah. ish in the NFL, and because they're a starting player on a. On a pro team. Right. So the the 125th best player in tennis is struggling, looking for free housing at tournaments, free food, uh, you know, going to pro-ams to make a little change, all that kind of stuff. So so they're out there, and every match is everything to them. I mean, every... Now, of course, Federer went through that. You know, Nadal went through that, obviously, to get to where they are. You want to see Roger throw a racket? Go try to find video... On those kind of tournaments, <laughs> he was the ponytail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so these guys, everything, they're in a qualifying. They don't make a penny if they lose in the qualifying. They don't get a point if they lose in the qualifying. So it means literally their career. They're going to be a teaching pro like Corey if they don't get it right. Yeah, please. That's, don't let that suffering that happen. That means a lot. <laughs> and yet, they're calling their own lines. Yep. It's because they don't want to pay those officials more money. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. Well, that is true. It's not required, and thus they don't do it. Right. The tournaments don't do it. Now, so with that being said, I heard an interesting thought or an interesting idea on another podcast, another tennis podcast. There are others? It's the only tennis, <laughs> other tennis podcast I endorse. All tennis podcasts suck, except <laughs> ours and this other one. So it's on. Actually, there's a couple on this uh, network that are uh, that I'll I'll give my tepid endorsement <laughs> to, I guess. Uh, but they're all a distant second to me, uh, to us. <laughs> me. I know. I'm sorry. Shocked. I didn't mean that. Um. So Chuck Creasy, winningest coach in ACC history, and all that other kind of stuff, and worked with juniors that have won junior Grand Slams and whatever have you. Uh. So an elite coach, uh, innovation, innovative coach, you know, whatever, all this stuff everything that you can say good. And he's also, he is also a fighter for, uh, you know, fighting against the status quo, the system, the patriarchy of the, 
Sorry, I didn't mean to. Was that sexist <laughs> to look at Rebecca when I said that? No, I don't think so because I didn't mean that either. But no, he definitely t- likes to take on uh, the established tennis, you know, whether it's college, whether it's the pro level, whatever. And one of the things he has recently, uh, on his last podcast, actually, I don't know if it was his last one by the time you hear this, but uh, a podcast or two ago, is he talked about basically getting rid of officials. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean like executing them. <laughs> Which I'm sure some players would to love say, there's to see. Now, when you say some players, do you mean you? No. Have you ever had any officials? Because yes. I know you say bad words from time to time. Uh, not while I'm playing. Really? That's the yeah. only time I do. Really? Really. Wow. I do under my breath, but Okay, like, but you don't like flip don't, your shit and... Okay. I'm actually probably one of the calmest female tennis players you'll ever... <laughs> and, and most Why of the people that either play... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of the people that play with me or against me will tell you the same thing. I agree with that, actually. All Pains right. me to say. Yeah, I'm pretty calm. So you're a maniac, Corey. I have probably... I love playing with Corey. Did I throw a record rec- with Rebecca? At least know. two or three times. Oh, oh, good. That's fantastic. No, just once. There so at, I don't remember it happens a lot at her. Was, no. it, was it her? F- no, All right. it was after. I was picturing her on the way I was. Th- I'm just kidding. Where I was throwing it. <laughs> All right. So it seems odd to think, hey, wait a second. Officials are in football, mm-hmm. in soccer, in are there any other sports? Hockey, baseball, <laughs> Even basketball, boxing, one on one, boxing, everything. Yeah, boxing. So one on one sport. You know, don't have to call a lot of lines, but I guess you low blows, I guess, maybe. <laughs> There's even officials in, like, squash and racquetball. Well, I right. would say, like, golf would be the closest to not having officials because yes. you're not calling them over unless there's, like, a an issue, controversial yeah. decision or That's something. That's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point because that ties into sort of, well, not sort of, it ties into one of the reasons, I think. Now, this may not be his, uh, Coach Creasy's kind of impetus behind this idea, but it certainly is a big one for me. And in that sort of the idea of what tennis used to be and what it is now versus kind of like what golf is. Um, You know, if you're a golfer and you sign the scorecard and then after the fact, kind of once you sign your scorecard, I guess that's it. It's written in stone now, even though it's on cardboard, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying. Um, With a miniature pencil. Right, with a a fake pencil. Um, If you sign it, that is it. That is law. You're saying this is what, and then you remember, oh, wait a second. I did accidentally uh, touch the ball one time, you know, and that's actually counts as a stroke. Right. I forgot mm-hmm. to write it down. You don't just you, you go back and you tell them, "Hey, sorry, I saw it. I'm out." Even if you won the tournament, golfers right. will disqualify. Which that happen not the winning of the tournament, but that happens a couple times a it year does. where somebody already signed it and they're done. They yep. DQ themselves, yep. right? And I've seen players or heard of players that have done that that have finished very high in a tournament, which is a lot of money, a lot of points, all that kind of stuff, and they do that. It's it is a, a ladies and gentlemen's game right. that's what i was gonna say oh sorry <laughs> actually i was just gonna say gentleman's I game and talk then I was too like, much obviously <laughs> nah. um but our game used to be and by i mean our our game tennis used to be that it used to be if i hit a shot and you call it in because you couldn't really get a good look at it if i saw it out you don't have to ask me i will call it out now not to toot my own horn doop doop I do that still. Like, yeah. I'll do that now. If I hit a ball, like if I hit a serve down the tee and you can't really see it, which, why could you? The speed it's coming at. Exactly. But I can see it. I clearly see it out. I'll say, no, 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 second serve. I missed that one. Right. I never hesitate to do no. that. I was a guy I was playing way. today that did that. He said, no, I that was that. out. I said, oh, okay. I did that yesterday. 
There you go. We miss a lot of serves. I think there's a lesson here. <laughs> yeah. No, but the but the idea is is that if I don't call that ball out and we play it, then we're playing a different game mm-hmm. than tennis. Tennis right. means if it hits the line, it's in, and you play it. If right. mine was outside the line, we're doing something different. Yes. Looks like yeah. tennis, but it ain't tennis. Yeah. You play to win. <laughs> so that notion of sportsmanship, I think, in a lot of ways in tennis. It's gone. He's gone. Right. It's gone out the window. Not only at the professional level, but at all levels. Well, I think. I would say at the professional level, it's hard to tell because yeah. it's they so regulated with all. And, right. But you even see it at the professional level with people arguing with the officials and right. getting fined and throwing their rackets. And, right. you know, so. Well, now that, that ties back into the idea of getting rid of officials. Mm-hmm. I have noticed when I play, so I've played squash. Me too. Okay. It's a very similar type of idea to tennis in terms of being a gentleman or a lady and giving way if you feel like you hindered somebody. Because you're in squash, you're enclosed in a box. You have to get out of the way. And if you hit a ball in in such a way that you put the ball sort of right back in front of you where you, your opponent can't get to the ball, depending on how bad it is, you either call a let or you actually have to concede the point. Mm-hmm. And oh, I didn't know there was a let option. So oh, there is absolutely. a let option. There is yes. a let option if it's like marginal. If you place yourself in a in a certain place, but the ball is not like you didn't hit the ball right in front of your own feet, right. like in the corner, like yeah. you're kind of huddled up in the corner. If you're if you're in tight to one of the corners and you drop it right in front of yourself, you need to give up the point. Right. If it's just sort of it's with, intentional. Right. If it's just sort of they couldn't get around you to get to it um, in a reasonable way because of, then it's a let, and you have to call that on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I noticed where I played squash was I played at my college and I played with other coaches from other sports. Yes, there are other sports <laughs> and the other sports all have officials. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what happens when you have official that dictates the game? See, our officials don't dictate the game, especially in college. Yeah. We do everything. And then we ask, right. was it out? We have to, you know, sometimes. Well, in other sports, they run the game. Mm-hmm. So if I am uh, slide tackling you, I don't know. Sounds dirty, but it's not. Um, it's so in soccer, if I if I you know tackle you, which means uh, attempt to get Into the ball the knees, from you, yeah. and nobody calls anything, even though it's a totally illegal play, and I should get a red card if the ref doesn't call it. It's not. There. It didn't happen. Right. Now that doesn't mean soccer players are jackasses. They are for other reasons, but not that one. <laughs> They're all actors. No, well, that too. But that's why they do it, because they have to. Now, they're still idiots, but they have to. But I can't very well call it on myself if it's the umpire's job to run the whole game because he might have missed, the referee might have missed 15 calls on the other side. Yeah. And so, and a lot of times referees wouldn't even allow you to call it on yourself if they're the ones in charge. Well, yeah, because then they get mad because you show them up. In baseball, that's a big, you know. Yeah. So we have a little different of a dynamic with the fact that you and I are on the opposite side and we actually have each other's fate uh, as I gaze into Corey's eyes. Uh, <laughs> it's super romantic. I wish you could all see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We ha- have each other's fate in each other's hands because we make the calls on the court. Well, the other, the other sports have deteriorated because it's like, get away with as much as you can because the ref, it's their responsibility, yeah. not ours. That's actually, I think, the crux of the idea behind 
Get rid of the officials. Getting rid of the officials. And we will talk more in detail when we come back. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com, to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, we're back. And we are going to change the game today. But it's not my idea. Let me give credit <laughs> to the coach that is responsible for this idea. Although I'm sure it's a culmination of a lot of different things that have happened in tennis in the past. But uh, Coach Chuck Creasy and his podcast on the Yellow Ball Network um, had a podcast about this. And I thought about it. And I think it's a really good idea. Interesting. So you get rid of the officials. And basically the first step is to go back to uh, the code. Which I have pulled up myself. Too. Okay, so now the code is something that, Corey, have you ever heard of the code? I have. All right. Is that a movie? Is it a movie? Is that a movie? I'm is sure it, there is, is there a, a movie named the code. The code? Probably. There's got to be some <laughs> kind of code. Uh, it just threw me. Train, Sorry. The train is in the ditch. Back to the code. I guess it's a train to be way bigger than to do in the ravine <laughs> um, or off the ridge or just off the rails. Uh, so the code basically is um, a, the code of conduct right? and how you should behave because 99.99% of tennis is between two people on a court or four people on a court with no one else around. So now when you guys are playing leagues, do you have officials during your average everyday league season? No, only no. in playoffs and cities and nationals. And so for the most weeks out of that whole season, the vast majority of them, no officials. Right. But even when there are officials on the court, they're not there to dictate to you, right. oh, that ball was in or out. You still have to call them. They're just there to make sure y'all don't scratch each other's eyes out. <laughs> Or footfall. Or Corey throws a racket across the <laughs> and, fence. And gets DQ'd. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, God, I hope I want to, I want to see that one day. Oh, God, I want to see that one it's day. It's coming. I'm mellowed out. It's never going to happen again. Well, you drink more while you're playing. I think that's an important, <laughs> important part. And I don't ever miss anymore, so I don't get mad myself. True. Well, right. no, the code to me is so prevalent. Like, as instructors, I don't even... It's almost like I, it's so natural to me. I don't even give it to my players. I feel like that's one area I'm failing. Where yeah, I've got to you give suck. it to every new player. You suck. You're ruining the game. <laughs> you are ruining the game. You do play with a lot of beginners. Right. And so I just sort of, everything that's obvious to me, because I've been in it so long. Right. Like I hear a question every day and I'm like, you didn't know that? My you first know? season of tennis, I told girls as a joke, you know, the lines are in and they're like, no, our coaches told us they were out. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't joking. No. Well, like today I had a guy who's been playing 15 years and he called a double bounce on the opponent. And I said, you know, you're not allowed to call Can't that. call it. I said, they have to call that mm -hmm. on themselves. If they say that's not a double bounce. It's not a and double he bounce. didn't know that was a rule. And I'm like, in 15 years, you don't know that's a rule. So I think the code is not really the first place people look when they're getting in leagues or getting in tournaments. Or, yeah. Right. It's just kind of uh, there. I do. So, yeah. So the code, you know, has things like, you know, what you just mentioned, you know, player makes calls on the own side of the net. Yes. So if, if uh, I hit a ball and it goes over the net, once it goes over the net, I'm out. You're done. Right. I'm out. Now, we talked about, obviously, the, you know, me calling it on myself if needed. Um, if you don't see a ball, if you can't actually see it, 
You know, even if you hit an overhead smash in that, and then you turn around to walk away and the guy touches the ball or the girl touches right. the ball and lands somewhere, even if it's in the parking lot, if you don't see it, right, it's their point. It's a, it's, it's in. Yeah. Now that's a, that's an extreme cause you, um, you know, come on, you can see it. Well, and they you should hit a it, They should go to the point in that instance cause they, well, hit yeah, that, fence. yeah, right. That too. <laughs> but, yes. um, you know, so that kind of stuff, um, you know, not seeing a ball, that's probably happens a lot in college where people just kind of start walking towards the other side and don't, you know, but it, they don't, we don't enforce that part of the code because like your coach is kind of part of the team. So I guess I don't have to, so I'm out of that one. Now, here's the thing I was talking about. So you can request your opponent's help on a call. Yes. So I don't wait for that request right. to, a lot of times. Now, to be fair, if I, if it's on the baseline, I can't help you. Even though I feel like eh, it might have been, a, I can't call it out on myself if I can't really tell. It's about it being absolutely clear. Uh, doubles. This is the this thing happens a lot. You know, if Rebecca and I are playing mixed doubles, that was in at Wimbledon, <laughs> and we both clearly see it out, we can call it out. Right. If one of us clearly sees it in, and the other one clearly sees it out, it's in. It's in. Right. If one of us doesn't see it and the other one clearly sees it in, we're fine. Now, here's a tricky one. Here's where everybody gets pissed off. If Rebecca clearly sees it out and I don't see it, right, then we can call it out. Yeah. Yeah. But that's only because I am not making a call. One of us on the team did see it. Which is usually why I say I didn't see that. And usually I didn't. Right. So. Well and well, Always I, I guess you, you said usually, yeah, you like that. <laughs> no, well, I mean it's no, I mean there are times when I did see it and yeah. I'll call it out, but you know. Well, and I I tell people you can't have decision by committee in tennis. Yeah. If I have to ask somebody, that means it's in. That's the way I look at it. I tell them, if you can't tell, then just call it in. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I wouldn't ask my opponent, well, hey, here's... was your shot in? I mean, if I can't tell, then you get the point. Yeah. Well, here's uh, what happens a lot. And oddly enough, or I don't know if this is a coincidence or it's genetic or biological. <laughs> Here we go. John Macron will call in if you have an opinion on this one. Um, <laughs> sorry, John. Uh, Hall of Famer. Um, <laughs> it seems that women call play out balls a ton more than guys do. They do. I it, would agree with that. It drives me insane. They do. And I know the reason why. Because they don't want to get it wrong. You know, they don't want to call you know, call right. a ball out that was actually in. But if they would read the code, they would understand, hey, you can reverse a call. It's all right. Right. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, one of the things I was hearing on, uh, I heard on uh, Coach Creasy's podcast, he was telling a story about Arthur Ashe. And that he used to in the first game, playing you know he'd be playing a rally, he would wait for the ball to land out, call it out, and then reverse his call and give his opponent the point. Because he was setting the tone, he was like, "This is going to be a regular old tennis match right. where we're going to follow the code and be gentlemen." And if you do that in the first game there's a better chance that your opponent will be like, okay, I'm not going to be the normal right. jackass that I am because this person's a nice person. I like that. Yeah. I like that, and I've actually done something similar it's to that. It's a little that. deviant, but, but you know. No, but then I've played against women that just are horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Not because they're women, Corey. <laughs> I've played men that are Exactly. Horrible. Yes, we've both done that. Corey and I have experienced now, that. Now, yes. in college, do y'all have this part of the code happen? spectators can't make calls yes that's part of the code because in college 
we do have to be aware of that. Just this Thursday, with one of our singles matches, the girl, every time the ball would be called out, the other team's girls would be like, oh, great, great ball, good ball, that was fantastic. Trying to cheer the ball in. Exactly. (laughs) That's the worst. And so then you're on the fence like, "Uh, I thought it was out. Right. So I think that's just unladylike and gentlemanlike. Yeah, and that's the whole that's the whole idea. So, I mean, basically, the the code is just sort of the basic, you know, lays out the basic how to behave on a court and, and kind of the basics of what to do. You get into the the rule book, the friend at court. Now it goes deep. I mean, right. now we're talking about, but the code is sort of a you know beginner's guide to how to behave and how to play on a court and what to do if issues arise. Because, like I said, we have essentially a non-officiated sport for 99.9% of, of, of matches. So that's step one in, in this fair play idea and getting rid of officials. So past that, the next step, if any issues arise, is here's one thing that happens. I've seen it happen in college. I don't encourage it, but depending on the player, I won't stop it. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> but if, I, let's say my player is out there playing and getting hooked. That's, right. If you're listening to a tennis podcast, you know that means cheating, mm. making bad calls. Well, if there's no official, then what do you do? Well, one of the things that players feel their only repercussion is, is say, hey, we can do this all day. I'll just start calling your balls. Right. And they do it a lot. And is, does it happen at the league level too? Absolutely. Oh, baby. And it tells you not to do that in the code. Exactly. Course. Retaliation. So that happens a lot. So the second part to this uh, getting rid of officials is is sort of a positive inverse of that. So instead of saying, hey, if you're going to do this horse shit, I'm going to do it. Let's go until we both stop. Instead, a better option would be that I basically give you the power to overrule me and you give me the power to overrule you. So I hit a backhand down the line, which certainly would never go out. (laughs) Uh, You call it out, I can overrule you. But the reason that works is similar to that negative version where, you know, F you, I'm calling your balls out because you've been calling mine out. So it's sort of a positive inverse where you're basically – you know, giving up power, and but so am I. It, it basically is like the 1980s foreign policy with nuclear war, mutually assured destruction. Right. Russia, if you hit that button and kill us, you'll be dead 30 seconds later. Yeah. So good luck with that. So as long as you don't have a maniac on the other side, <laughs> then, like North Korea, you know, then right. you're, you know, then you're all right. So with Russia, it worked because they were trying to dominate the world with what they were doing. Didn't work. And, you know, we were trying to do our thing. Neither of us wanted to have our entire civilization destroyed. So, therefore, we didn't push the button, as it were. So, that's kind of the same idea. It's like, I'm giving you the power to overrule me, but don't worry. I know you're not going to abuse it, because then I could, too. Well, I think Uh, that's like the next level of being a jerk. Like, to overrule your opponent is, like, almost harder to do than calling their ball out. I would love to see that happen, though. <laughs> I can I can see literally like water bottles flying, <laughs> balls being thrown at faces. And what that's I, just the women. Where I, where I wouldn't like that rule is when you get to set point late in yeah. the match. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That situation is where I wouldn't like it. Well, no, no, no. But then but again, you can still do that now. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, but you can do it 
with again less effort. Right. It's right. it's way, it takes way less physically just to throw your hand up right. and look at a ball that yeah or, or sort of take a step and stand in front of where the ball is going to land a little bit. Oh yeah, you've seen people do that. Yep. And then call it out even though it's in. It does take another step both physically and emotionally to get up the right. gall to say. I'm going to overrule yeah. you on set point. I'd like to give that a go, to be honest. You know. Well, I mean, if y'all don't have officials already, why not talk to the other team captains and give it away? Yeah, we'll talk about, do that as an experiment. Tell them it's for the podcast. That <laughs> way they'll fall for it and then see what happens. It'd be interesting. Um, and then the, th- the last thing, which is this is something I've done in college, you know, because a lot of times we won't have officials because they are expensive. Right. Um, and we won't have them on every at every match. Now, conference matches were, were, were mandated to have them, and certainly during playoffs, conference championships, et cetera, were mandated to have them. Um, but if it gets even past the point where the mutually assured destruction doesn't work, and you've got a North Korea out there pushing buttons, and they don't care, then the next step is to have a third party stand at the net post. Which we've done that at USC tournaments. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether it's their team or yours. I have done that with opposing. Uh, there was a match I, we played where I n- forgot to get an official. It happens. <laughs> with all the preparation I do for this podcast, listen, it gets busy. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But uh, I forgot to get a, an official. And so I couldn't get one short note as quick enough. So we did not have an official. And it was a very contested match, both score-wise and just behavior-wise. Right. Mm. And one of the guys accused my guys of cheating. I told the coach, put 10 of your players on the court, and they have full authority to do – they default my guy. If they right. Tell him he's cheating. I don't care. It was the most honest human being, sportsmanship award winner multiple times <laughs> in the conference, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, sir, no, sir, which drives me insane because I don't deserve it. But I appreciate his effort in doing it. It's good respect and all that. And his parents taught him well. And he's getting accused of cheating. So I said, hey, put I, you can have your coach there, other players. I, I don't care. I'll, I'll tell my players to go all the way away from the court. Right. So it's a lot more difficult, number one, for the player to start doing stupid stuff on the court, even if it's their own team. Right. Because – I don't care what you say. Nobody wants to be a scumbag in front of their own team. No, because you got to see those people again, you know, every day. I mean, Corey, listen to me, buddy. <laughs> I've known you for a while. I'm, I'm pretty fond of you. Thank you. I'm not letting you check out my internet history. I don't like the direction where this uh-huh. is going. I'm not letting you check out my internet history ever. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want you to know what kind of scumbag I am. Right. I'm kidding out there, folks. <laughs> wife. Um, but but you know, kind of the same way is. It, you know, it's kind of a thing where nobody's around. You look down at the line. Eh, that was out. Right. Very easy to do that in Great that point. setting. Yeah. But even if, I mean, it would be it would be tough. You'd have to have a pretty awful bunch of human beings to all do that as a group right. against another player. Uh, and certainly if it's the opposite team. But I've done that too, where I've had one member of your team, one member yeah. of mine at the net post. And you know what usually happens? Everything just stops. Right. Exactly. And, they, and they just do what they came there to do. Well, it's yeah. kind of embarrassing when you have to get overruled by people watching, too. It's like, y'all can't even play this on your own. Like, really, it's tennis. Yeah. Right. Children. And children. I think, right. I think that's a fantastic idea. Other, another match a few weeks ago, these girls were watching from the other end of the court, you know, saying, oh, that ball was in, on the opposite side right. of the court. That was in. But if they had been on the court and actually able to see it, you know, it's it's wrong. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a great idea. 
and I think it would put a stop to a lot of the issues that we have. Well, I think I think first of all, going back to Corey's failure. <laughs> which one? <laughs> right, so which many. one? Right, right. <laughs> we need to Clarify. another podcast for that. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Uh, teaching the code. Right. Because yeah. I really, it was a part of what we did coming up. Yeah. For me, anyway. Um, and I don't, I need to, I need to survey my players and ask them if they even know what that is. And they'll probably, no, they won't. I was about to give a reference <laughs> to, you know, the code red. Who ordered the code red? You can't handle the truth. They wouldn't even know that reference. God, they I probably wouldn't. God, no. I hate children born <laughs> after 2000. Um, well, one of my worst moments in tennis was an official came on the court and overruled one of my calls. And I was like mortified because I pride myself on not making bad calls. Right. To the point where I asked my opponent, wasn't that, wasn't that call right? And he said, yes. Wow. So he and I agreed on the call. The official overruled me anyway, in spite of that. Um, and it was a crucial point. Now listen, mm. I deal with officials on a regular basis. There are many officials that aren't blind. <laughs> all right? A few. No, no, seriously. There are good officials, and they do serve a purpose. I don't want to run down officials and, and you know, act like they're not useful and they don't have a purpose and, and they don't have a place in our game, because of course they do. But, you know, I think Coach Creasy is definitely well more down the road on uh, execute them all. No, <laughs> you know, getting rid of all officials right. and doing this thing without officials. And I think to some degree, like the golf example, if we want to get back or or kind of take back that piece of tennis that maybe is missing these days, I think that would be a big step. And I think younger players, kids, so not college, but like juniors, especially 10s, 12s coming up, maybe they would become better people like I think what everybody around this day, well, you started playing later. But, I mean, I was a degenerate, and tennis really <laughs> did have a big impact on me. And I'll cry later. And uh, And so, you know, but if you're not teaching it the right way, if you're not playing it the right way, you're not dealing with the adversity that comes in that game with these tools. And instead you have an official and you just yell to your mommy to call the official over and fix the problem. Right. Then we're taking another big piece of the game away. So we take the lady and gentleman thing out of it, but we also take, Hey, problem solving and dealing with adversity and handling it in a way that you don't throw a tantrum. And, you know, I, I think that's a big part of it, too. And listen, really, the number one thing, I mean, it's going to save a ton of money for, for tournaments that can't always afford it um, because officials are pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, so, one of my biggest issues with officials is they try to, some of them, not all of them, they want to prove their worth as an official. Yeah. And so they, I've got to do something about this. I've got to get involved in this match somehow, even when it's not warranted. Right. Like, these guys are having a friendly match. You don't need to get involved. Just... But they want to prove, well, you need me out here right. because I've got to do right. this, or this. You know, the guy's stepping a quarter inch over the line on a serve. I got to. Or get how about involved. this? How about this? Let me ask you this, yes. uh, dear Rebecca. I'm here. More sexism, but not for me this time. Not for me this time. <laughs> I'm on your team. But you're staring at team me. girl. Oh, okay. I am staring. At <laughs> okay, let's hear it. How about this? Does this happen? You have official during women's matches. Are they condescending? And belittling a little bit because you're just little ladies playing do you ever get that i've never had that okay um, right, moving on 
So much for my I know what ideas. You, I know what you, you know mean. What I'm I know, saying, though? I know I mean, what you mean. I, but there's there's actually this one guy, and I can't think of his name. He's a USDA well, official. Well, let's not. <laughs> I was about to say. He well, has like a, let's not. a, a let's bottle not. of fresh. <laughs> let's you can that. just say but no, what he does. No, no, no. I w- it's not bad. Oh. He is <laughs> He is one of the best oh. and most fair people I've ever had witnessed any of my matches. Right. And I respect him. And when he comes onto my court, I actually feel better. Right. Because if my opponent is doing anything wrong or maybe, you know, they're there. Yeah. And, and let me let me finish by saying that I think there's a lot of merit to this idea. And again, I have great respect for Coach Creasy. Uh, he's my mentor. Um, and I like it. Like I tell him all the time, he's he's got a lot of guys like me, but a lot of guys like me only have one of him. So a lot of respect. And I know he has a depth of knowledge and experience in this game that I will never be able to match. But on the other side of things, because I have to deal with officials, let me try to butter them back up. <laughs> it's a lot like having a trainer when you're running a tournament. It's just an an area that you now can be completely relaxed about. It's right. okay. Yeah. They've got it. Yeah. I have a professional that knows what they're doing, which is the key. Uh, and they're going to handle all aspects from the physical, you know, the athletic training side, the medical training side. So sprained ankles, or we, have any, you know, especially in Texas, we mm-hmm. have the heat dehydration issue. and heat right. issues. Nope, they've got it. Similar, like you said, the official comes onto the court, or the official is on the grounds. Yes, and you know, okay, if I have any issues, worst they're case there. scenario, there is an authority that we can ultimately appeal to to make sure that we're doing this right and that we're playing it fair and all that, which is sad that we have to do that. But here's the other thing. Out of every match you play, what percentage does it get that bad? Probably not a lot. Well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe it's 1%, 5%, but there is a percentage of players that needs an official. Yeah, it's like a spare tire. And I would say, in my experience, it's less than 5%. Yeah, but it's like a spare tire. Right. You don't even care about it until you're sitting on the side of 635. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Yeah, um... I will say that I think the idea that they're qualified and good is the no, because let me tell you one 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 way he characterized this idea of the officials is um, a retirement program is what <laughs> what being an official is right <laughs> so wow. yeah because it, it you know because people just kind of fall into it right yeah. now the officials we deal with and the guy that assigns all of our officials for us he also assigns officials for uh, some Division one schools and all that. He's he's very good at what he does. All his people are very good, and you know when he sends his people, they're qualified and they then they handle it. And they're not the type to get involved. They're not the type that wander off and disappear. Right. Um, and they are fair, and they know the rules and 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 all that, and they know how to run um, a program. And there's an official that it, that runs all of the Division Three national tournament, who's an outstanding official, and he's outstanding at doing all that stuff. And so. Um, you know, I don't want to say, hey, you know, execute them all. Of course <laughs> not. But there is a balance somewhere in between because if you're an official that's just out there for 125 bucks or whatever it is, and you're barely hanging on, you're just, you know, falling asleep and you're over smoking out in the parking lot, then what's the point? Because yep. you're not going to know what to do if the shit hits the right. van anyway. Exactly. Well, your analogy was good because if I make a 2,000 mile trip and don't get a flat tire... And man, I could have saved a hundred bucks on that tire. Mm-hmm. You run a tournament with a hundred kids and nothing happens. You're like, man, I didn't need those 10 officials. But, but if you had that one yeah. tournament without that, and you got some crazy kid throwing a racket and cussing another kid out or coming across the net, 
Right. And you got nobody there. Which again, some of these officials, what right. are they even, what are they going to do? Yeah. But sometimes just the presence of them there does control change. the behavior a little bit. Chant can. Or, or I will say, or it makes those kids better at cheating. Right. You know, or the Cheat league players. Officials aren't around. Or being very clever about it. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So I, I do think there's a balance, but I definitely think there's a lot of merit to that to the idea. And at the risk of putting officials out of business, maybe there just needs to be less officials and only the good qualifying ones. That maybe they need to have a more rigorous right. uh, program and then. Uh, and then go from there. But yeah, there's, it's a balance. I think would be a good idea. Cause I'll tell you what, if you drove 2000 miles and did get a flat tire, you'd pay a thousand bucks for a tire. Right. Um, sitting on Been the side there. of the road in the desert. So, <laughs> yep. all right. So we're sexist and we hate officials. Anything else? And we've revolutionized but we, tennis. But, yes. but we love Tartan Martin and maybe Roddick is back. <laughs> Hall of Famer. All right. Well, everybody out there, do not forget to uh, go to iTunes, download, subscribe, rate, and review, apparently, up from what I hear. Rate and review with five stars only. <laughs> Even if it's just for Corey and Rebecca and not me, that's fine. <laughs> just put five stars. They'll get them. I'll, I'll make sure they get them. Uh, and if you have a friend, tell them. Even if you don't have any friends, all you have is opponents on the court. Tell them, yeah. too. And uh, until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Bye, guys. Call me, Maria. <laughs> <laughs>